Previously on that Cthulhu John. Lenny, it appears that you were absent from work today. We were very concerned about this. So we thought we'd do a checkup on you. Me and my son have lots to talk to you about. So I'm backing up toward that, that porch door, grabbing my jacket, my shotgun, and I am running away. You get over the wall and you see this person start to pick up speed behind you. As you're crossing the street, there's a car coming a little bit too fast that you didn't see. So Lenny, you get hit by this car pretty fucking hard. Consider yourself to have a major wound. Yeah, I'm a doctor. Get him out of here. A large serpent-like head peeks out from behind the several hoods and looks at you. Lenny. You burst out in violence. You hit him pretty hard in the face. And I'm going to say it knocks him off his feet. Take that snake breath. When you hit him super hard, you see his face fade back into Skinny Joey. I'm a little afraid that his dad's going to show up. Leonard. You better get out of here. Take this little scumbag son of yours. Don't come looking for me. If you think we won't come looking for you, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. This is an egregious offense that will not go unpunished. Hello, thanks for joining us for that Cthulhu John episode 34. We are a real play call of Cthulhu podcast. I am George, your cruel and sadistic keeper of arcane lore. And with me are my friends and investigators, Chad. You guys. Chuck. Welcome. And Jenny. Anyang. Ooh. Ooh, nice. I thought of that earlier. It's a good inf- it's a good reference. All right. Okay. Anyway, so guys, last time we left off, if I remember right, uh, Lenny was hit by a car and almost assaulted by Skinny Joey, or was it Skinny Joey? Mm. And Lenny was laying in the street. He got the drop on Skinny Joey, or after he knocked out Skinny Joey, the boss man Chucky came along. And dragged Skinny Joey away. He's lucky he didn't get rocked. Yeah, well, he was threatening Lenny while he was taking him away. Right to the moon. Walter wound up going home uh, after seeing the car drive away that presumably Chucky and Skinny Joey were in. And that's where we left off Walter with his door slammed behind him. Uh, Walter, what do you do now knowing that your friend Lenny is laying out in the street? With a broken leg. He's like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. And uh, he probably just runs over to the couch and stashes those weapons and holds his hand up to see like how shaky it is. And it's probably like very unsteady. Very trembling. Yeah. Um, He thinks maybe to grab a drink of water, but thinks that it might be a better idea to just get back out there. And uh, so he hastily doesn't really do a very good job of hiding them, but tosses them under the couch, including his Derringer. Uh, this is the first time he's going to, going to be without it in a while. 
I guess ever since the whole uh, Children of Ithaca showed up, he's been clutching it pretty tightly in his pocket there. But uh, Should probably keep it. <laughs> he probably should, but he's a little out of his head at the moment and very frantic. And uh, basically, just as quick as he came in and stashed those weapons, he goes back out, slams the door closed, locks it, and pretty much runs down the street. Call an ambulance. <laughs> I should have, yeah, but... So, Walter, you leave your house and you run down the street to where Lenny is. Uh, right now, there are there is traffic starting to build up on the block. They see that there is someone there and, you know, you start to see the cars reverse down the street. They're not helping or anything. Typical Philadelphia. I like it, but not really in this case. I guess... Uh, I go back to Lenny there. Is, uh, you still uh, you still up? Still got your eyes open there, pal? I don't know. I guess so. Do I? Yeah, yeah, you're still alert. Okay. I need you to help uh, pop this back in here. <laughs> uh, uh, he looks really nervous, and probably his face goes immediately white when you say that. It's like, uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm no, I'm no doctor. Yeah. I'm kidding. I don't think you can. He looks very relieved at that. He's like, uh, you don't you don't have torn pages with smudges or, you know, dents and dings. <laughs> Not like I'm used to. Fucking Walter. <laughs> Lenny, it feels like your leg is twisted around right at the knee. Okay. Oh God, that looks that looks so bad. Uh I don't know how much longer I'm gonna last. Uh, if I'm in the hospital for a few days, uh, it's gonna be easy for them to get to me. Uh, I need you to find out what that stuff is. Uh, here, take this too. I hand him the needle. The needle that had the uh, re- residue. Yeah. This is uh, this is what he injected me with uh, up in the mountains. Yeah, the dark purple residue. Uh, suddenly, uh, this seems a, a hell of a lot more real to Walter. Not only the dangers that Lenny has been warning about, you know, the entire campaign. It's physical proof. This is that crazy needle. <laughs> Some of the, what I had previously thought could have been ramblings are starting to make a lot more tangible sense. Some of it was crazy ramblings. This, this doesn't look like a, like it's for a person even. This is, oh God. And he kind of looks around and uh, looks if see if he can kind of put it away discreetly and not really hold it out in the open. So you put away that needle uh, best you can in your jacket. Is it like capped on the end or is it just like a big syringe? We're going to say it is, it's not capped on the end, but it has like a cork okay. right at the tip of it. That's what I was wondering if it's just like leaking out and just like a opening on the end. Okay. Um, nope. Well, shit, I guess if he's got an inside pocket, maybe he tries to, you know, put it in plunger side down so that I guess the cork den would be sticking up. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got I got to assume that somebody has called the ambulance, but uh, I just came back as quick as I can. Uh, is, is, is there anything I can do for you otherwise? He kind of scratches his head and... Uh, maybe double check, make sure somebody called an ambulance. <laughs> uh, you know, called another one. Lenny, as soon as you say that, you start to hear uh, sirens in the background. Uh, my savior's noise. After you hear these sirens, uh, very shortly afterwards, an ambulance pulls up. 
And the guys come out, they assess the situation, these EMTs. Mm-hmm. And they uh, say, oh my God, the tibia is completely twisted around from the femur. And they say, oh shit. And they come out and they grab a stretcher. Uh-huh. Stretch it back into place. <laughs> you can stabilize that, can't you? Oh, gosh. All right, so they hoist you up on the stretcher, Lenny. It does hurt a little bit. Uh, well, actually, it hurts a lot. The way it dangles. Every time it swings, it I got a damn pendulum. Yeah, that's what Walter was worried about, the whole stabilizing it so it's not shaking and bumping every time you go over a pothole. Yeesh. They hoist you up. They put you into the ambulance, and then they uh, immediately go... Uh, You're in a lot of pain right now, right? Lenny, however, uh, you're in shock. So you don't exactly feel how much pain it is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, kind of hurts. I'm more scared for my life. I I cut in. I say, I'm his neighbor and friend. Uh, Can I uh, come with you or follow you guys? What what hospital are you taking him to? They tell you the name of the hospital. It's it's very close to where you live. Good to hear. Uh, I say, uh, Lenny, uh, I'll call the hospital ahead of time and, you know, see about uh, meeting you there later or uh, checking up on you. All right. See if you can uh, grab me a new knee there. Oh, gosh. Kind of puts his his hand on his forehead and shakes it a little bit as he looks down to the ground. One of the EMTs says to you, Lenny, he says, sir, you are in shock right now. We're going to administer something to... Make you a little tired? I don't want no needles. <laughs> <laughs> he says to you, well, uh, it would have to be administered, you know, intravenously. I say, uh, Lenny, it, it might be for your own good. Uh, I don't want to know how much pain you're going to be once this all starts to set in. Yeah. Walter looks really uneasy as he's looking at your knee and talking to you. As long as it ain't uh, some giant needle, I guess. Maybe a little one. All right. So they hook you up with a little uh, IV. They put a syringe up to it. And yeah. Pump something into it. And then next thing you know, you're starting to feel a little loopy and you go to sleep. Ooh. Wee. <laughs> Walter, did you go with them? I mean, if they'll let me ride in the ambulance with them, I might as well just hang out. Because uh, he's pretty unsure of what to believe and a lot of things that are going on right now. So uh, it, I don't know that they would, but I mean, if they're not opposed no. to it, uh, I would probably hang out. But yeah, uh, thinking that they probably wouldn't be, he might uh, want to go home, get his own car and leave that syringe behind. Yeah, yeah if you're going to follow. Yeah, you t- they told you the name of the hospital so you can go there. You can see... Uh, Lenny, I mean, you're in shock, but Walter definitely looks frazzled right now. If he was ever composed before, he is certainly not at this moment. (laughs) I probably can't really focus on you anymore. Nope, nope. You're out now, Lenny. Walter, where do you go from here? Uh, I guess back to my place. Um, Maybe think to give uh, Heather a call or leave her a message and stow that scary looking syringe somewhere okay so you put the syringe away you give heather a call you leave her a message just telling her about everything that happened in the hospital 
and the name of the hospital too. And uh, Walter, you head to the hospital. The they greet you at the front desk and you tell them your situation. They tell you that Lenny is right now in the uh, operation room and uh, that he'll be there probably for hours. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I guess I probably should have thought about that. Everything just happened so soon or so quickly. I just uh, wasn't really sure what to do. Um, well, he kind of maybe stands up straight and takes a deep breath. Uh, maybe I should just uh, try to visit him later. I guess I can call at any time, right? And check in on him, I guess. Absolutely. All you got to do is call the front desk. We'll, we'll hook you up to his room uh, when he has one. Okay. And then just to make sure he takes down that number to the front desk, make sure he has it for later. Absolutely. All right. So what do you do from there, Walter? Uh, I might need some food in a few moments to process everything. All right, so outside the hospital, there's like a sausage cart kind of thing. You know, get yourself some sausage and peppers if that's what you want. Uh, maybe not today, actually. I think maybe just like a muffin, see if I can get them to toast it on the grill, a little butter or something. Sure, they still got breakfast there. Dig it. And a coffee, of course, because, you know. Sure, yeah, they got that there, too. All right, so you, you uh, fuel up, so to speak? Um, Gosh. I still got to work. Uh, how long has all this stuff taken me? Uh, we're going to say that after you've gotten to the hospital and everything, it is 930. Your work is at 10, right? Uh, noon. Oh, noon. I'm sorry. That's all right. So he's got a little bit of time. But um, uh, since I'm out and about and have the car with me anyway, I think it's time to go to the bank and take out uh, perhaps the second and third in the collection of books. Gotcha. So you take out the second and third of the uh, Speculum Magus from the bank. Uh, They don't give you any problems or anything like that. You're able to just pull them out. And uh, what do you do with them? Bring them home? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. uh, Get ready for work. Now, you know what? I probably still need the first one. But yeah, I'll I'll take all three of them. I guess I'll be schlepping them around today. Yeah. Do you take them to work with you? Yeah, I wouldn't want to leave them just sitting about, probably. Gotcha. All right. Now you have books uh, one, two, and three. You get ready for work, hang around for a little bit, look through some of the other books as well. Eye up that purple stain in the first one. And after you go through these books a little bit, just kind of paging through them before you know it, it's time to go to work. 1130 rolls around pretty quick. All righty. Uh, then, yeah, I'm going to head on out and try to get to work on time. All right, so you you go to work around noon. And Heather, you wake up around noon. Yes. Probably immediately listen to my messages because you see a little blinking light. You do see that blinking light. You hit play on the answer machine and you hear a frantic Walter telling you uh, everything that happened that morning with Lenny getting hit by the car, breaking his leg and him hitting someone that Walter wasn't sure who it was. Um, like immediately call a cab because I'm going to go to the hospital. Okay. Like in pajamas. Don't even care. All right, Heather. You take a cab all the way to the hospital and decide to just stay in the waiting room till he's out. Yeah, I guess because I ask about him and they probably tell me he's going to be there all night. He's like in the operating room the whole time. Yeah. 
Well, he's in like the pre-op room probably for a long time because he's an emergency that isn't like super top priority. Okay. So is it like triage where I could just like peek and see if I could see him through like the little windows of the rooms? You can't see him right now, okay. no. He's in a completely different area that's not usually accept- accessible. They probably got me on a bed in a hallway somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would now. Yeah, but you're knocked out. Um, Morg. Probably get a payphone and then call Walter's work. Okay. Walter, uh, at your job, eventually around 1230 or so. You hear Headley shout to you, "Hey, Walter! Uh, there's a there's a phone call for you." Uh, she said her name's Heather. Oh, right. Thank you. And uh, goes to whatever nearest uh, phone is in our little phone system. Uh, hey, Heather, how are you? I guess you got my message. Oh my God! What are we gonna do? Like, what do you think happened? <laughs> what happened? Were you there? Did you see it? Is it bad? They won't let me in. <laughs> Walter's like, yeah, it's it's definitely bad. He got hit by a car. I wasn't there for that part, but it it twisted his whole uh, his whole foot around at the knee. Pretty well, really bad. Not even pretty bad. No sugarcoat in that part. Um, you know, I got to the hospital shortly after him, but said he's going to be there for quite some time. So I don't know. I guess uh, try to go about the day and check in with him after work. Maybe bring him some good food or something to try to lift spirits. Well, who's who's the person that he beat up? You said in the message that he beat somebody up. Was it? Did he know them? Was it the guy that hit him? Um. He looks around and says, uh, you know what? Hold on. Let me switch phones and go to the uh, the back study real quick. And he puts you on hold and goes to the back study and closes the door behind him. Picks that phone back up. Says, uh, yeah, listen, that that's the part that kind of shook me a bit. Uh, I, I don't really know all the details about that part, but he seemed convinced that it was one of the people that had uh, attacked him before. Like the crazy story with the needle? Uh, yeah, exactly that story. Uh, he actually gave me a pretty large needle that isn't likely for humans even. I'm not sure, but I was worried. I didn't really know what to do, and everything's happened so fast. I, I foolishly gave him my gun. Thank goodness he didn't actually use it. But some of the things that he said after seeing that needle, I... I'm more worried than I was last night, and I was already pretty worried to begin with. Well, what if they come here? Uh, like, should I stay here until you can come back here? What if they come back with more needles and they try to get in there? All the needles. Hands full of needles. Well, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, does, does Lenny have any friends that, uh, that are, you know, <laughs> kind of... <laughs> You know, more, you know, more like tough like him. He is. Not no more. I mean, the only guy I remember is this guy, Tommy, but like he just disappeared too. And like, maybe they're trying to make Lenny disappear. So like, I don't think we should leave him here. I mean, he said that the same guy with the needle acted like he was a doctor. So what if he sneaks in here? Oh, as you can tell, she's freaking out. She's spiraling a little bit. Right. Walter kind of pauses and considers some of that. And I, well, I mean, 
if these people are more dangerous than Lenny, I don't know what, what we're going to do. I mean, I, I'm not some macho tough guy. I mean, I read books and fix <laughs> broken things. No offense, but I mean, you tend bar. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I couldn't even win a fist fight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Definitely detect a, a bit of worry in Walter's voice. Like he agrees with you, but he's not really sure what you guys should do. I mean, maybe once he gets surgery, we could just sneak him out of here. Like in the movies, we just like, once he's like got a cast, we just take him out of here. Yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't sound terrible in some ways. I mean, I do think it would be a good idea to to help him slip out of there as quickly as possible. But I mean, obviously, he's going to need some work on that leg. And there's probably some aftercare. Uh, I'm not much of a doctor. I guess I just want to know if he will come after I'm there. Like, what time are you done work? Would you come back so that I could go to work for the devil, maybe? That's right. Isn't that play thing tonight? Yeah, and it's my first night. Like, I feel so mean, but I can't, like, afford to lose this job, literally. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I I certainly hear you there. Says, well, I get done at eight, and yeah, I mean, I can certainly get back. Uh, I was gonna, you know, check with the hospital before the end of my shift, and uh, you know, go from there. Uh, I, I don't know what we can do to to try to keep him safe. I mean, he, he's the muscle. Who, who do you get to keep the muscle safe? <laughs> I know it's true. Okay, well, I'm gonna stay until about five, and then I'm gonna go, and just keep me posted, like. I don't know, call, call my house and leave a message and I'll listen as soon as I'm done work. Or maybe I'll just come back here. I don't know. Just, just keep me posted and I'll keep you posted. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, uh, I'll check with that guy, uh, that might know about the uh, stain in that book and maybe more about that needle again. Maybe that's something I can do. Uh, but yeah, I'll definitely keep you in the loop. I guess uh, I don't even know what to tell you to to watch out for, but uh, you know, just be careful. Oh yeah, can you describe them to me, or did you didn't really see them? Right, you were like under not the too, car. Not too much. Yeah. There was a crowd of people, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to get the license plate of the guy that hit him uh, in case he tried to, you know, drive off or anything suspicious. Right, Walter, you remember the guy that Lenny hit, and you remember the guy that pulled the dude that Lenny knocked out away, but... They were so bundled up, though, I didn't really get their features. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I might think to mention that part about the the guys were super bundled up, like more than most people would be, even in this cold, but... I mean, other than that, I couldn't really say, you know, who they were, you know, what they looked like. Okay, well, I'll just look out for anyone really bundled up. Which, you know, given this time of year, should be super easy to zero (laughs) in on. So, Walter and Heather. Walter, you stay at your job uh, doing your regular thing. I do want to uh, make a phone call to the biology guy again, though. Uh, Willis Freeman? You know what? Actually, before him, I might even call Rutherford Brightly. Oh, okay. An attempt to contact him. All right, so you call... Do you have his personal number? Or just, no, you just have his office number, right? I believe it was just his business card. I don't think he was... I, mean, I don't think he was very willing to share too much at first. 
So when you call Rutherford Brightley's office, uh, you do get a voicemail, or not a voicemail, an answering machine, because that's what they had then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, then in that case, Rutherford, listen, it's Walter. Something rather important has come up, and uh, if it's possible, I was hoping that you and Professor Freeman and I could potentially meet up and discuss something of an urgent matter. A matter which I'd prefer not to leave a message about, but uh, it's very akin to the discussion we had in our previous meeting, and I'll leave it at that. All right, so you leave that message for him. You know that he'll probably get it sometime between now and tomorrow. He's got classes, I'm sure, so he's a busy man, I would imagine. Yeah, you know he'll probably get back to you within the next 24 hours. It is Monday, after all. So, Walter, you left that message, and you go through the rest of your day at work there. It's pretty uneventful. It's fairly busy, enough to keep you know you on your toes. Sure, his mind's racing the whole shift, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. It's not dead enough that you can go back and look at your three books at this point. No, no. I wasn't thinking that so much. Right. So, you're pretty busy up until... You close at eight. Uh, could I maybe around like six, I don't know, maybe like seven fifteen rather, uh, call the hospital and just kind of check in with any progress on Lenny? Absolutely you can. However, Heather is there until five and right around four thirty, someone <laughs> comes out and goes, You're with Mr. Cobb or a uh, uh, relative yeah, Lenny, we're best friends. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> they tell you, well, Mr. Cobb is in the recovery area right now. He's sedated, but uh, in good condition. Can I see him? Is he awake? Sure, yeah. They, they, they bring you back to the recovery room. And there's one of those uh, big curtains that goes around, like in a semicircle. They bring you back there, and they open the curtain, and you just see Lenny on a bed and he has his leg elevated in a cast and he is uh, sleeping right now. Okay. I'm just trying to decide if I want to still just like run up and hug him, even though he's sleeping. Yeah, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So you run up and hug Lenny and Lenny groggily wakes up a little bit. Oh man. Uh, Are you okay? Yeah. Good to, good to see you. Shot in a beer. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so glad that you're like okay. That's it. I'm not gonna say much more to him since he's out. Yeah, of it. Lenny's so out of it. You know, he's just barely responding. But Heather, it's about time for you to yeah, start getting roll. ready for. I gotta put on my burglar yes. outfit. Uh, for burgling. Yeah. Roll for burgling. So by the time you get home, it's about five o'clock. Mm-hmm. You get dressed and all that good stuff, get ready for work, and you're able to make it there by six o'clock. Okay. So you get there and you see this worn down looking church. You go up to the front doors, pull on them, and they open up right away. They're very, very heavy though. 
you see as you're opening them that it has one of those locking mechanisms where the bolt goes into the frame at the top and the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. So they're big, heavy doors with big, heavy locks. Okay. It's not terrifying. It's like totally yeah. cool. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, you know, if anything goes wrong, you'll have no problem at all getting out from behind these giant doors. Easy peasy. It's not like a creepy desecrated holy place at all. Nope. So Heather, as you walk into the place, you hear some guy yelling. Uh, he's going, God damn it, Vince. I told you to remember your fucking lines or remember your fucking places on the goddamn stage. Why can't you hit your fucking points? And that's what you hear as you walk in, Heather. Oh, okay. Cool, great. Nice and chill vibes. This non-stressful day. <laughs> First day. Um... As you start to come in, you see a stage with several people on it. You see a couple people sitting in pews in front of the stage. They are watching the people on the stage. There is one dude that is standing in the middle of the aisle that leads down the center of the church. And that's the dude that you saw yelling. And when you come in, the wind makes a sound as you open the door. Mm-hmm. And you see Ginger on stage. She looks at you and goes, oh, hi, Heather. Here, uh, let me introduce you. Then Professor Bradshaw turns around sharply and oh. says, oh, hello, little missy. Nice to meet you. Listen, we really need a, a curtain person. I'm glad that you were found. You know, you know what you're doing. Just head on backstage. You can just start working. It's, it's a pretty simple job. We pay top dollar here, though. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you. I really appreciate the job getting this opportunity. He goes, yeah, and he, sh- he shakes your hand, and he goes, nice to meet you. Uh, what was the name? Heather Snakehold. Yes, okay, what an interesting last name. Uh, why don't you go head on backstage there and join the rest of the stage crew? Uh, he doesn't escort you, but he points to where you should head on over. And as you're starting to walk over there, he starts yelling again. He goes, God damn it, Vincent. He seems nice. If you don't hit your fucking marks next time, I swear to God, I swear to God. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why your roommate has had sleeping issues and mental trauma. I don't know. This seems, this is not what I expected. This is because she said she was always alone. Like, I just pictured her in, like, complete blackness with, like, a single spotlight on her and some, like, creep in the back pew, like, you know, giving orders. Yeah. But just no, say seems, the words. No context. This seems normal. It's just a little high stress. <laughs> For now. There's no symbols all over the walls. Yet. Always a plus, because I'll get real swirly <laughs> real quick. <laughs> There's no vomit to clean up. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice gig, it seems like. Yeah, oh, cool. That guy was probably not remembering his lines. He should be better yeah, at his job. Be <laughs> so you go on backstage there, and you see two people also dressed all in black. The one guy turns to you and goes, oh, you must be the new stagehand. My name's Fred. And he shakes your hand. And the other hey, guy comes around, and he goes, uh, Nate, Nate, shakes your hand too. And he says, so uh, we just got to work this system over here. And you see a bunch of sandbags and pulleys and ropes and shit. And you're not exactly sure what's going on with all this equipment back here. Then you hear, okay, all right, everyone, places where you should be 
start from the opening scene. Let's get those curtains closed and then open them back up again. We're going to start from the top, people. Okay. I introduce myself and then say, like, um, I don't know what string does what. Like, I've never done anything like this before, guys. The one guy, Nate, turns to you and goes, uh, we were told that you knew what you were doing. I, I don't know. My roommate just said, it's no big deal. You just pull a he string. Goes, oh, my God. Um, all right. So, oh, shit. I got to get to the other side of the stage. You just have to figure it out. And the one dude runs to the other side of the stage. The other guy goes up to the, like the choir loft up top and leaves you there by yourself. Give me a mechanics roll. Twenty-nine. Ooh. But I don't have anything. You have nothing. What's the base on it? Ten percent. Ten. Oof. All right. So. You start to try to open this curtain and you see one of the ropes start to go a little too fast and the sandbags start to go down from the top. Would you like to spend luck or would you like to push the roll? I'll push it. You're going to push it for a 10% chance. Oh, should I spend luck? I mean, 19, I don't know. No, I'm not spending that much luck. I spent a lot last one. I mean, should I have some magic evil? Just get luck? yelled at. <laughs> or possibly kill somebody? No. Oh, no. What did it say? Prospect good. How does that answer your question? It doesn't. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. Um, I'm just going to get yelled at, I guess. Okay, so the sandbag falls down. The rope goes up all the way past the pulley and flips over it. So now there is no string to pull. And you see the curtain kind of lull and start to drop down from the top of it. And you hear Bradshaw start going, who the fuck is working the goddamn curtain? (laughs) It's Nate. (laughs) <laughs> Nate said he would do it. <laughs> fucking Nate sucks. He doesn't even know he's the doing. first one. I, I'd pick it up after that. <laughs> if Nate disappears, that's going to be your fault. <laughs> Every man for itself. I don't know that dude. <laughs> All right, so I put my hand up like I'm in school. Like sorry. He goes, uh, little Missy, do you know exactly what you're doing over there? I was told by Ginger that you knew what you were doing. Ginger's done now, too. I know. Hold on. I think I'm going to lie. I think I'm going to (laughs) lie. Well, I mean, I used to do it in high school, but it's been a really long time. I'm just going to lie. Persuade roll. Nice. Oh, please tell me I have something in there. Oh, I do. Not a lot, though. (gasps) Is it? Hold on. The suspense is killing me. Hold on. Sorry. I rolled. I rolled the. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I rolled the wrong thing. Oh. 52. I have 40. I don't know. I might spend it on that. It's up to you. I'm going to spend it. You're going to spend the 12 luck. All right. It's the same number as before. I should have just done it then. I think it was 19 before. Oh, okay. So a little less luck that you're spending. 
But Bradshaw says he puts his hand up to his head and face palms himself a little bit. Uh, and he pulls his, his hand down his face. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. We'll get Nate and who the hell was the other guy? What was the other guy's name? I know Nate. Fred. Oh, yeah, Fred. That's right. He goes, we'll get them to show you, you know, give you a little refresher course, okay? Until then, we don't need the curtain. We'll just start from the top. Okay, I'm really sorry. So, Nate and Fred come over. They kind of show you how to work it. It's not too technical, uh, but give me an intelligence roll. Okay. Do I, I check persuade, even though I spent had to spend luck? Okay. Yes. Definitely want that. Oh my god, I'm getting kind of good rolls. He's already 37, and I have 62. All right. So you're picking this up pretty easily. Uh, It's not that difficult. It's just that you didn't know what you were doing at first, but you pick it up pretty quick. Sweet. I don't want to get canned already. As they're showing you the ropes, literally, (laughs) you hear Professor Bradshaw's voice. And he says, God damn it, Ginger. All I ask of you is to learn lines from an act in a fucking half before your character dies. Learn them. Forwards, backwards, inside out, and upside fucking down. And you hear Ginger uh, from the stage. Uh, You look over and you see Ginger on the stage and you see her start to cry a little bit. And she goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Professor. And he goes, just learn the fucking lines, all right? What the hell am I paying you for? Am I near anybody? Like, am I near the other two guys? Yeah, you're near the other two guys. I turn over them and be like, what the fuck is his problem? He's insane. Fred turns to you and goes, oh, well, um, he's really only hard on the actors. Uh, you know, the people back here, um, he doesn't pay too much attention to the light guy, which is Nate. So long as you hit your marks, he doesn't really care so much. Oh, well, as long as he's only mean to the actors. Hey, come on. We're making a good dollar here. Once this thing opens, we're getting paid $100 a night. Hey, what do you mean once it opens? I thought we were getting $100 a night right now. Oh, no, 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 no. We get paid once the the actual play opens. We got to be in practice first. And then we kind of earn our beginning of pay that way. I'm going to let you do this one on spec. Oh, cool. I just didn't realize that I was apprenticing. I don't know. She's just kind of pissed that she's there for free now. <laughs> well, you know that once it opens, you will get, you know, that money. Yeah. So, Heather, you go through the night kind of learning how to work the curtain. And it's not entirely too hard, but... You know that once this place opens, you're going to be making some pretty sweet money. But you have to sit through Bradshaw yelling at all the actors. Can I, like, am I paying attention to the play? Since I am curious, because she just showed, like, said it was so weird and she doesn't know what's going on. And You can pay attention to the play if you want to. And as you're listening to it, it has this weird dreamlike quality about it. It almost has a an effect of making you feel a little noodly, a little wiggly almost, mm. and almost kind of lull you into not a sleep, but like a fuzzy feeling. Spooky. Um, I ask the guys, like, what is this play about? It's like weirding me out. 
know, and they say, yeah, it is pretty weird, but they're only doing their lines once at a time and trying to hit their marks. But, you know, the lines all sound very weird and I'm not sure, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to work the side of the stage and work the lights and that's it. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking too many questions. Yeah. It's just, it's making me feel a little, I don't know, like I have vertigo or something. No, that's pretty much what it kind of feels like. Like a slight case of vertigo. But the night goes on and eventually Bradshaw says, oh my God, I cannot put up with this anymore. You guys just practice your lines. I don't want to see you until you have them memorized. Ginger, I've given you enough time. Week plus should be enough for you to learn an act and a half. Vincent, you're a hopeless piece of shit. (laughs) I am going downstairs to the prep room. If anyone needs me, I'll be down there. But no one better fucking need me. You should be doing this shit on your own. And uh, he leaves the area and you see him head to the back and presumably go downstairs. The prep room. I want to go to the prep room. Preparing to unleash something on the world. I want to apologize for my mess up, but really I want want to ask him about what this play is about. All right. So you can head down into the prep room. And you see that there are two rooms there. One of them says prep room. One of them says restroom. Do you knock on the door? Do you open the, do you turn the handle? What do you do? Just go in. Turn the handle and go in. As soon as you open the door, Professor Bradshaw turns around. Before he sees you, he goes, what the fuck do you want? And he sees you and goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm just under a lot of stress right now. And I don't mean to take it out on my stage crew. Oh, it's okay. I I just wanted to come down to apologize to you for my, you know, mess up. He said, it's okay. One mess up is totally forgivable. You seem to have it under control now. The amount of mess up that these fucking actors are doing, though, is completely unacceptable. Yeah, what a bunch of pieces of shit. No, um... (laughs) (laughs) No, I understand it's got to be stressful being a director. Um, This play is kind of cool. What is it? I'm not really sure what it's about because I'm trying to focus on you know, being a good stagehand. He says to you, well, I can tell you this play means a lot to me, personally. It's kind of an avant-garde art piece more than anything. I would say that the play itself is the star of the show, honestly. I would say that the play is basically one large poem. Hard to interpret, but beautiful to hear. He described that play as if it were like a head trying to eat itself. <laughs> it's very vague and like it didn't really thought had crossed my mind. It's an avant-garde art piece with art within itself. Yeah, it's eating its own art. Cube inside a cube inside a cube. Um, <laughs> and she's like, I want to kiss his butt because I'm like curious about the tarot card thing and like what mm-hmm. he knows. So I'm gonna be like, yeah, it's beautiful. Like. It's making me feel like I'm dancing. Like, I don't know when I'm listening to it. I can't pay attention because I'm focusing and I'm not going to mess up again. He says to you, yeah, you know, um, when it's actually performed correctly, 
the play does have a very uh, sing-songy, lulling quality about it. Just pure, and he gives the chef kiss, mwah, absolutely pure perfection of performance art. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, and I'm sorry, and since I can't really pay too much attention to it, would it be possible that I could read it? I'd love to see your poem in full. He says, yeah, I can give you a copy of it if you'd like. I'd love that. So he hands you a stack of papers. It looks like they've been Xeroxed, and the top page is completely blank. Okay. But you open the front page, and you see... That symbol. Oh, shit. Got him. Oh, shit. I forgot about the symbol. I'm not even kidding. The paper looks like it's starting to become 3D and come at you. The symbol starts to twist and bend and looks like it's multiplying. And Heather. Can I slam the paper on top of it real quick? No, you're going to have to give me a sanity roll first. Psych, psych, psych. Give me your beautiful, dancey, wiggly poem. Oh, I have to roll again. One fell off the table. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have to roll again. Hits the floor, doesn't count. We don't save crisis. Mm-mm. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. 24. And I have 62. All right. So. Hard pass. Heather, you start to. Close your eyes and rub them a little bit. And this uh, symbol starts to regress into the background, but you feel something pull from you at the same time. It's almost like some sort of energy within you, and you're going to lose three POW points. Oof. So, Heather, uh, you feel this draw from you, and you feel slightly weaker from it. And you get a little bit dizzy and kind of hold your head. And Professor Bradshaw says, oh, is something wrong there, little lady? I slam the paper down on top of the other papers. Uh-huh. And I'm like, it's a symbol. It's a symbol I see all the time before I worked here. And he says to you, oh, oh, my dear, you weren't supposed to see it. What do you, what do you mean I wasn't supposed to see it? it, it it's on the paper. It's meant for the actors. I mean... You weren't supposed to see it everywhere. You weren't supposed to see it until now. I don't know. I just, I just did. I just, I just have been seeing it. Says, well, that's very strange. This is, this should be the first time you're seeing it. I don't know why you're seeing it everywhere. Unless, unless. I think I had a dream about it. Ginger. Can I convince him that I had a dream about it? Let's see. Let's give me. Let's get another persuade roll. Well, that bitch ginger. I'm gonna find her. And I'm gonna kill her. <laughs> the second part just went through my brain. He said, "And kill her." <laughs> Guys, I found a box in the trash to roll my dice. By the way, sixty-eight. 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 Yeah. That's probably not a piss. Wait. No, it's definitely, no, I have 40. I can't, I can't, I can't spend that much. No, 28 luck is a lot to spend. Do you want to push the roll? Because he's looking at you like he doesn't believe you right now. Absolutely, I do. Of course. What could ever go wrong? All right. Roll them dice. 
69. Get the fuck out of here. 69, dude. 69. So you try to tell him that you only had a dream about the symbol, and he goes, that would be uh, very strange that you would have a dream about this, unless, of course, you saw it somewhere else first. Did you see it somewhere before you came here? (laughs) Well, I mean, one day I took a shower, and the steam on the mirror was like somebody had drawn it on there earlier, but it was probably a mistake. Says you, oh my, oh my, um, that wasn't really meant for your eyes. Hmm. You see him, you know, stroke his chin as he's thinking. He gives a big sigh and he pulls out a large book and he opens it up and he starts flipping through it. It's an old looking book. And he says, my dear, come here. Come, come closer to me. Okay. He puts his hand on your head. Mm -hmm. And he starts chanting some strange words. And you feel that pull again from you. This time it takes another three pal off of your score. Okay. Fine. And Bradshaw says, that should be enough to feed it. To feed what? He goes... Never mind about that. I hope you feel better, hon. You can read the play as you'd like. Wait. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, did you just put a spell on me? Like, what are we feeding? Am I going to stop seeing that symbol everywhere? Says, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you should stop seeing it by now. Um, I mean, heck, look at it right now. Okay. And I open it. I look at it. You see the symbol in its original form? It doesn't bend. It doesn't move. Well, okay. Whatever you did. Thanks. It was of course, on. He says, get back up there, work those curtains, and let me know if the actors are doing their job, okay? You got it, dude. But can I, like, am peeking in the door as he's, like, trying to close it? Like, how did you do that? How did you know how to do that? He says, listen, hon. This play, like I said, is kind of dreamy. And sometimes you just have to believe in dreams. Oh, mermaid dreams. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks. And sorry. All right. So you leave down there with more questions than answers. I don't know. Do I like him? I don't like him for taking that spell off me. Well, you might. But while you were leaving and saying that you saw him take that big old book, see him put it under the desk that he was sitting at as you leave. That's the missing copy of the Speculum Magus that all of us don't know about. It's the last book. (laughs) So in that room, you saw that there was where he had the desk. You saw off to the left side, there was a small window that just kind of peeks up a little bit from above the ground. You can tell it's like a basement window. It doesn't let a whole lot of light in. But let's say someone was looking from the outside. They might be able to tell if there was a light on in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not like a, it's just like a crew room. Like you just go down there. It's nothing weird about it. Nothing seems very strange about it. The only strange thing in here is that book. Yeah. Like it's a, but it's a room that I can just go in. 
Maybe. Like if I have to pee and it's like I say I have to pee? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Uh, you head back up. Mm-hmm. And after an hour, Professor Bradshaw comes back up and he's like, so how are we coming along here? Everyone know their fucking lines at this point? And uh, he says, okay, from the top. And uh, the place starts to go on again. They're running through it, and Bradshaw's just kind of looking back and forth at the at the actors on the stage. And uh, every time they miss a word or something in the play, he yells at them and says, you have to know the words exactly, exactly. And uh, he chimes in with the words that they're missing. And Heather, you're just on the side kind of watching this with the curtain drawn. What do you do? Well, I have to pay for sure. So oh, I ask good okay. old Fred and Nate if I could not have to pull the curtain. Like, can I, you guys care if I run to go use the restroom? I think I drank too much coffee. I want to let them know that I'm pooping. So I might take a minute. <laughs> so Fred says to you, oh yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead. He goes, uh, the bathroom's downstairs. Okay, thanks. So you head down. Mm-hmm. And there is the bathroom there, and there is the prep room as well. Yeah. And I go, and Bradshaw's like reciting the line, screaming at everyone, right? Correct. You can still hear him yelling from down there. Perfecto. Um, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to take that book. Mm-hmm. And I'm leaving. Okay. So you grab <laughs> that book. Do you tuck it away or anything? Yeah, shove it under my black leotard shirt and tuck my black leotard shirt into my black leotard pants. All right. Uh, the book is pretty big. It's going to be kind of obvious. Oh, fuck. All right. Mm. Put a jacket over it. You do have a jacket with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Tuck it in the back and put jacket on top. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to put it in the back of my shirt. I'm going to tuck my shirt into my tights. I'm going to put my jacket on top so that I kind of don't have to hold it. It's just like wedged in there. Okay. And I'll hold my jacket like tight around me, but not tight enough where you can see the outline of a book. All right. <laughs> like just the bottom tight Yay! so it doesn't slide down. And it should be. Just it looks like I got a little bit of a chonky back. Yeah, you got a square butt. You got a book butt. <laughs> a lumpy butt. Look like a hunchback. <laughs> All right, so wait, you tuck wait. that book in the Okay, what? no. I was thinking of something else. No, what are you doing? What are you doing? I want to push it out the window. You can do that, actually. So rather than trying to sneak it up, you know, in your clothes and everything, you see that there's a little latch on that small window there. And uh, you can open it up and push that book out into the grotto area. Okay. So I do that, and then I leave. And you just leave? No, I'm just out. All right. When you start to leave, uh, Bradshaw says to you, where do you think you're going? And I say, I just got my period. I gotta go. (laughs) No guy's ever gonna say anything. Right? Is that a bonus die? (laughs) (laughs) I, I would say... I would say persuade with a bonus die. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm sorry. How do I do the... The way the bonus die works, uh, you do your regular roll, Mm -hmm. but then you re-roll the tens. Okay. And you take the better result of the two. Okay. I'm a little scared, guys. Okay, it's not great. 55. Right, so re-roll that tens. 
Just the tens. Okay. 30. 35. Sorry, that was loud. I got 40 in Persuade. All right. So you pass it. And Bradshaw says to you, oh, well, um, I mean, I guess you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. So you run out. You run out the front door. Um, I guess whatever door goes outside that's closest to the, where that where I was leaving, where that window was. All right. Well, the window leads to the grotto, the back. which is surrounded by a fence. The only way to access the grotto is through the church, unless you climb the fence. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, do you leave out the front door or the back door where you will be trapped in the grotto? Oh. Well, not trapped. I mean, you can climb the fence. Don't say trapped. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. Um, well, it sounds like I'm climbing the fence regardless. One way or the other, it sounds like it. All right, but one way, I'm only going to have to climb it once. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go through the church. All right, so you start heading towards the back, and uh, Fred stops you, and he goes, you know, you can't get out that way, right? That doesn't that doesn't lead to the street or anything. That's just the grotto, and it uh, it's all surrounded by a fence. Yeah, that's fine. I just need to get some air real quick. Says, oh, oh, okay. And uh, you leave out the back, and as you walk out the back door on the barren ground right now, you see the book sitting right outside of that basement window. Okay, I grab it and. Throw it over the fence so that I can hop over, maybe. All right. Give me a climb roll. <sighs> Cue the Mission Impossible music. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 61. All right. So you grab the book in one hand and you try to lift yourself over the fence with the other hand. And you're just not able to quite do it with one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to spend luck or push the roll to try to do it by tucking the book into your pants and then climbing the fence? No, I'm going to throw the book over the fence and then go. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. You threw the book over the fence. I'm going to go back out the regular way and be like, sorry, I thought I had to puke and then go out the regular way. Oh, very nice. All right. All the guys there are just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they just let you leave out the front. Okay, great, great. All right, not trapped. That's good. I'm going to go around and scoop the book up. And where do you go from here? Uh, whatever bar I see, restaurant, anywhere that would have a payphone so I could get a cab. Okay. There's one on the, on the corner of the street. The L might not be too far. Oh, yeah, True. wouldn't it? Nah, I'm not trusting this book. Maybe the L wasn't as dangerous, then. I don't know. Um. <laughs> or just as dangerous. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably better than it is today. Uh, no, nah, I'm going to go to use a payphone or ask if I could use their phone. Okay. You kind of go around the area until you find a bar. Hit the payphone, call a cab. Where do you ask the cab to take you? Walter's Bookstore. Nice. All right. Joe Clocks. One day you'll own it, Walter. Joe Clocks Bookshop. That'll take you out to about 8 o'clock. 
when Walter is just getting off work. Okay. Oh, shit. Walter, while you're leaving work, you see a taxi cab pull up and Heather comes out of it. And she has this old looking book with her. I think it's a boner. (laughs) (laughs) His tongue rolls out of his mouth and onto the ground. Like the wolf from the cartoons? Yeah. I love that guy. That's totally what I just saw. (laughs) (laughs) His eyes get all big looking at the book. Oh, man. Uh, He kind of looks around as you you just get out of a cab and it drives away and it's just you standing there with this big old book. Is he like inside or is he like literally walking outside? He's literally walking out the door. I am pushing him back in the building with this book. All right. And that's where we're going to the episode right there. You're pushing him back (laughs) and trying to figure out what this book is all about. It's a good thing you're a believer. Looks like I might be taking you, one of you guys up on that cot in your house. Cause (laughs) (laughs) going on the run now. All right, guys, before we go, I want to thank all of our listeners. Again, just thanks for listening. And especially want to thank our Patreon supporters. Thanks, guys. Including our newest supporter, Anthony Stanley. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Ant. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. And everybody else, of course. Of course. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, sanity is overrated. Got him. There is nothing more important than an emergency Megas 5 meeting. Right. <laughs> they drop everything. They just put out a, like a bat signal. It's just air. a big five <laughs> to the Megas cave. They put the rings together. <laughs> <laughs> Their secret handshake is just a high five. <laughs> <laughs> once up high, once down low behind the back. <laughs> They're such nerds. They probably think it's so cool. <laughs> Megas for life. Hey, this is George. Just a quick reminder to like, follow, and review us if you like what you're hearing. And if you want to support us and make our show better, head on over to our Patreon. You can always email us at contact at thatcthulujohn.com with any comments. And you can follow us on Instagram at thatcthulujohn.com.